Welcome to Find Myself Free, the podcast. I'm Ellie Young, alcohol-free life coach, mom, and athlete. I'm dedicated to helping others change their relationship to alcohol by sharing my journey of transformation. Fascinated by my own capacity for change after decades of gray area drinking, I'm passionate about sharing what I've learned from neuroscience and positive psychology to help you break free from the drinking cycle and unlock your true potential. Hear my personal stories of triumph and struggle as I navigate raising two boys, finding myself after 40, building a business, and doing it all alcohol-free. From women's health and cycle syncing to fasting and biohacking, this podcast is your roadmap to a healthier, purpose-filled life that starts with changing your relationship to alcohol. It's time to embrace change, find balance, and create the life you were meant for. Welcome to Find Myself Free. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Find Myself Free, the podcast. We are in between holidays. I just got back from Thanksgiving break, and we are right smack dab in the middle of the holiday season. Um, And this has brought me to the topic of people-pleasing because I've recognized that is so much of what goes on this time of year. There is so much expectation. There are so many traditions. There is so much family that we really get caught in this heavy cycle of people-pleasing and kind of losing touch with what we really want most during this holiday season. And I recognize too, especially as I talk to my clients um, who are navigating this time of year for the first time alcohol-free, is that when you are not drinking anymore, you start to recognize that all that people-pleasing you were doing, like you were drinking to tolerate it, to get through it. You were stomaching a lot of things and drinking your way to numb that discomfort. And it can feel really uncomfortable and a little awkward because not only are you like, wow, this isn't that much fun now that I'm sober, but you're also like, do I even really like this tradition or do I even really like this event? Do I even really like this, these people, you know, a lot of times it's family we got to, you know, do, do the holidays with. And sometimes you're just like, wow, like I really was just drinking to get through this for a really long time. And that can be kind of a sad fact to like face. It's just like, wow, you know, I needed a drink to tolerate this in the past. Now, how am I going to tolerate it? And that is a skill that you can develop. Um, it's It's really a skill that we have to hone as adults. And we are taught from such a young age to drink, to cope with things, to drink in social situations, to drink at celebrations that we're super out of practice doing any type of event like, like that go on during the holidays without alcohol. Um, and, you know, as a coach, I really like to explore this, this idea of people pleasing and drinking. And I want to tie it back to the belief that I drink alcohol, but so this is the belief that I think it's tied to for people is that I drink alcohol for permission to rest. That alcohol gives me the permission to to rest, to check out from all of the kind of people pleasing I I'm doing. So, I know a lot of busy women. I mean, this time of year it's crazy for moms in particular. I'm one of them. I'm and um we have been self-sacrificing for so long that we really we really don't know another way. 
we kind of feel bad taking a break. We feel guilty. We feel that we're not worthy of rest because, you know, the ideal for women, for moms, is that you can do it all, right? You can do all of the magical Christmas stuff. You can do all the shopping. You can host all the parties. You can be kind and generous to all the family. You can donate. You can volunteer. You can participate in all the school functions. Um, But to rest, to tap out and say, ah, I can't do that, to say no to things and be like, be honest about it and be like, I don't want to do that. Or to say like, you know, I just, I can't, I can't take on that is to be vulnerable and to reveal that like, you're not perfect and you're, you're going to upset some people. And so we'd rather just take on more burden than upsetting people in, especially this time of year. Right. But you know, this, I've struggled with this for a really long time. Like struggling to rest, struggling to give myself rest. Um, You know, I have been conditioned to see rest as being lazy. And I know a lot of women can, will echo me on that. And, you know, as an athlete, I think that that idea was kind of hammered into me growing up, like hard work was a constant and giving up was never an option. So I have carried that into my adult life and I kind of always feel like, oh, you just got to keep going. You just got to put your head down and keep going. And I used alcohol to cope through so much of the hard moments of parenting so that I could keep going instead of actually taking a break. You know, that's what I really needed. That's what women need is a break because something has to give. And this is where alcohol kind of always entered the picture for me. And as I'm sure it does for many women, alcohol becomes this acceptable form of rest for women. It's an acceptable way for us to not only tolerate the shitty situation that we're in, that we've said yes to, that we don't want to do, the self-sacrificing that we've done, and we're just trying to get through and do everything for everybody else and put ourselves last. You know, a lot of people say, oh, this is such a tired story. But like, this is what it means to be a mother often is to kind of everything else does come before you. And the alcohol enters the picture as this kind of acceptable way to tolerate it all and to get through it all, as well as like a culturally acceptable way of like, oh, yeah, you deserve that wine. You can take a break. You can drink while your kids are around, you can drink, you know, because of the kids, like all of that mommy culture marketing, it's, it's an, it's acceptable. And this is way, way we get so off course with the people pleasing because, you know, it's acceptable for us to spend money on wine and have girls nights out and drink wine at the end of a long day. This is how we are taught to reward ourselves in this role that we're playing. This is like the mechanism that we're using to get through the stuff that we we don't want to do, but that we have to do. The things that we don't have the energy for, the stuff that we should have said no to, and then we drink the wine so that we don't speak up, so that we stay quiet, so that you know, we don't ask for help when we really need it. 
And it prevents us from taking the real deserved break that we need. It's, it's really crazy that that is how twisted it is. Like we don't get a break. We drink wine to numb all of that discomfort, that dissatisfaction, so that we can tolerate it and not complain. The wine is our permission to rest. But all we're really doing is pacifying our brain temporarily. We're numbing our brain. And then the resentment builds and we lose connection to our intuition, to our voice, to our autonomy. And meanwhile, the alcohol is wrecking us. It's disrupting our hormones. It's disrupting our sleep. It's disrupting our mental health. But we believe this is the break that we deserve. It's in the wine. We believe this is our permission to rest. It's our reward. How fucked up is that? You know, would it be okay for us to replace that wine with real self-care? This is the conversation that I want to have with people is to really, really poke holes in this idea that wine is your reward for dealing with all the things that you don't want to do, but you are dulling yourself and numbing yourself with the alcohol so that you can just shut up and deal with it. Just put your head down and get through it, especially this time of year, right? And what's funny is so many of my clients right now, when they're not drinking, they're like, well, now what? Like, do I even really like this stuff? Because they've been so out of touch with their real voice, the real intuition, the person that kind of has hopes, has dreams, has desires, because they've been numbing it for so long. We've been people pleasing for so long and taking care of others for so long. And it's it's no surprise to me that a lot of women in their 40s start to question their relationship with alcohol because this is when we gain a bit of our autonomy back. We're no longer raising young children. We are we have a little more independence. We have a little more autonomy. And it's like we get a little bit back to ourselves again and get to say like, wow, what do I really want? I've been doing so much for everybody else for so long now. And I've been drinking to tolerate it, to cope so that I don't complain. And, you know, I'm going to tell you a story. You know, I always look back to this time as one of my Again, a a sad kind of drinking moment for me. But at the time, I just, I was using the tools that were available to me and what I had been taught. I didn't know another way. Um, We were vacationing in Kauai. This was the Thanksgiving, uh, I want to say 2019, maybe 2018. My kids were little. I think I had, this was several years ago. My son, my youngest was like two about to now just turned three maybe. And then I had a five-year-old and my husband's a surfer. So he really likes to go to surf destinations. And, um, you know, it sounds amazing, right? As you like, yay, I get to go to this cool tropical place and be on a beach and, you know, watch my husband surf. And I try to surf and the kids would play in the water and things like that. But in reality, it's, you know, you're still traveling with small children and it's still, a really tough trip. Kids need naps. You know, we're off our schedule. They need to eat. They need to, you know, you got to entertain them. 
And I would drink to kind of trick myself into believing that I was really having a good time on vacation. You know, that I was like, wow, this is paradise. I get to relax, but you don't actually get to relax on vacation with kids. Everybody knows this. Like you still got to wake up early. You still got to change diapers. You still got to do naps. You still got to try and feed them all the time and deal with crying and whining and entertaining them. And then there's the pool, which you think is going to be fun, but it's a little stressful having children around a pool because you don't want them to drown. So you got to make sure they have their water wings or they're learning to swim. And then you got to make sure they have sunblock on. And, um, you know, I would let my husband surf most of the day. I wanted him to be able to, you know, have freedom to go do that as much as he wanted. And so I would kind of, I would, I people pleased him and, and no, no shame to my husband. Again, I enabled this and I thought I could tolerate it all by just drinking and that I would be like, it's cool. Like I will just hang with the kids. I will get up early with them. I will just hang at the pool with them or go take, you know, take them to the beach by myself and, you know, let him go surf. And, um, I would just drink to numb that part of myself that wanted more, that knew I needed help, that, you know, was struggling to align this idea of like what a vacation was supposed to be and like what the reality of it was and just being like, I'm okay, I'm okay. And, you know, we did this vacation too with a bunch of other families who also had small children. And I remember a lot of the wives were voicing their dissatisfaction and a little bit like, you know, pissed off and wanting to be like, hey, well, I, when's my free time? Like, when do I get my break? You guys are surfing all day. Like, when do we get to like hang out and do a girl thing? And so it caused a lot of tension between the couples. And I remember trying, wanting to be like the cool wife who would be like, I'm cool with it. I'm totally cool with my husband surfing all day. I'm fine. You know, I don't need, I don't need a break. I mean, I was even trying to squeeze in a workout early in the morning. I would set the kids up with some toys and I would like play a, a workout DVD on my laptop so I could try and like work out in the room with them, like fighting in between and watching cartoons and stuff. Um, you know, again, I was always trying to work out to right side any hangover I had and sweat out anything. And then the other women were really pissed off and they were like, oh, you know, when do we get our time? And so then we would go we tried to arrange like a girl's afternoon out and let the boys watch the kids. And then we just got drunk and it caused fights. Like I think the, the husbands thought we took too long with our night, with our afternoon off. And then we came back and the kids were shit shows and everybody was kind of like pissed off. And um, it was just kind of a bad all around like, man, we're in this paradise place and we can't quite negotiate our roles as partners with one another. And everybody's just drinking to cope, to get through it all, thinking it's fun. And, you know, I look back on that time and like, I drank so much secretly on that trip that like nobody knew just so I could pretend that I was okay with the arrangement, okay with everything, you know, and I did this at home too. And, you know, I don't want to do any disservice to my husband because he's an amazing partner. He has been on this journey with me and has followed me largely into sobriety, you know, at his own pace. And not because I asked him just because he's recognized the benefits on his own and has, um, you know, really changed his life for the better by, by doing it as well. But in the beginning, 
when we had two little young boys, like we'd be hanging out and drinking at night on the weekends. And then I would get up with the kids at 5 a.m. Both of them were roosters and I would let him sleep in and I would take the kids out on a walk in the double wide Bob stroller um, because they were both such early risers. And we, and I was so kind of agitated and hung over that I needed to move my body. I needed to do something in order to make myself feel better. And working out with that for me has made me somehow feel worthy. So I would strap them in that stroller and we would go for a jog walk to a local park and I would let them play and the little one would sleep in the stroller. And then we wouldn't hook back up with my husband until lunchtime, usually when I'd be walking back from the park and we would meet him at a restaurant for lunch. And then I would start drinking wine because I thought, I've had one hell of a morning already. I've been up since five. I've worked out. I've had two kids in tow. I'm feeding them. I'm playing with them. I'm doing all the things. I let my husband sleep in. I let him surf so he's happy. I really thought I I was giving him this gift. But all I was really doing was, you know, enabling my own twisted habit of making myself feel better, pretending I wasn't hungover but also people pleasing him to be like, you can have whatever you want and what you need at the expense of me. You know, I, I, I still to this day, I'm really uncomfortable even saying that because I still wanted him to have that break and to have that time. And, you know, I, I didn't want it to be that, like, I couldn't do it, that I didn't want to have that fight with him that like, wins my time and be like tit for tat, like you get this and then I get this. You know, I didn't like that. I saw my friends doing that in their relationships. And I always wanted to be like extra cool and be like, yeah, you get what you, you get what you need, honey. It'll make you a better person, a better dad. And I really just put him off the hook. And I don't think he really ever knew. He knows now, but I don't think he ever really knew how much deep down subconsciously it bothered me. But I did it. I created it myself. And that is like the biggest form of people pleasing it, that I was doing as a mother. And I was just drinking to get through it. And it's funny that I didn't really come out of that until my, you know, 40 when my kids were older and they really didn't need me as much, you know, as those early hours and all those difficult, difficult times. Um, but I got out of that and I realized like, wow, I am now hearing a voice that I wasn't hearing before a voice that I was muffling that is that is able now to speak up for myself and to say like you know I don't really like that I don't really want that and I'm I'm ready to like do something different when you're no longer numbing your intuition when you're no longer numbing the dissatisfaction the anxiety in your life you can do something about it it's there to tell you hey like make a change do something different. And the alcohol, the coping is, it's really sabotaging you. And the people pleasing kind of can lead to an addiction. It can lead, you do it for so long, you lose so much touch with yourself that you don't even know what you want anymore. And the wine has become the biggest band-aid but it's shit. It wrecks your sleep. It wrecks your diet. It's bloating you. It's dehydrating you. It's making you gain weight. 
It's disrupting your hormonal imbalance. I did a whole podcast episode on this. If you haven't listened to that one, go back and listen to it because it is the root cause of so much of our suffering of women in our late 30s, early 40s, and 50s, perimenopause. It's all about hormonal balance. And if you are drinking, it is sabotaging your hormonal balance, which it creates estrogen dominance, which is kind of the cause of insomnia, weight gain, rage, mood swings, depression, anxiety, basically all the severe PMS symptoms. And estrogen dominance raises your cancer risk. So we are literally people pleasing our way to to our deaths. Like we are people pleasing, we are drinking, and we are raising our cancer risk by doing all of this. What was the what was the cancer statistic? It was fifteen percent increase compared to women who don't drink for just three drinks per week. That is very little alcohol. Three drinks per week. If I was drinking three drinks per week back then, I wouldn't have even considered that I'm a drinker at all. I would have been like, I drink very rarely, three drinks per week, and then it's ten percent for each additional drink. So for the weekend warriors out there, which I was not a weekend warrior, I was a daily drinker and I was probably having three drinks a day. No joke. And the weekend's definitely more binge drinking. Um, So if you're drinking 15, let's say you have, let's say you have two to three on Friday, two to three on Saturday. That's, uh, I did the math. It's about a 55 to 75% increase for that type of drinking compared to someone who doesn't drink. Breast cancer risk. That's gnarly. That is gnarly to think about. So people pleasing your way through the holidays, you know, saying like, okay, I have to get through this, but at least I have my wine. It's sabotaging you. And then, you know, if you're going to extreme measures to detox, like I was all the time where I was like punishing myself with exercise. And my relationship with exercise, by the way, has changed completely. I used to basically exercise out of fear that I was going to be out of shape for my sport, soccer. I was like so stressed about being out of shape and that any type of conditioning we would have to do at training or in games or whatever, that I wouldn't be in shape enough. And that it would be really, really hard. So I would like, I would train myself to the point of throwing up on my own, like as a kid, that's how much pressure I put on myself. And then as an adult, once I was no longer playing, you know, college soccer, I would work out so hard as a way to make myself feel good again after drinking. Cause I thought, oh my God, I'm going to get fat. Oh my God, I need to sweat this out. I need to detox. And so it was always just this really unhealthy relationship, even though I do, I love exercise. I love how it makes me feel, but it was always still coming from this kind of corrective place of way of like being like, well, you did this thing. Now you got to, you got to correct and you got to right size yourself. And so any sort of detoxing that you're doing, you know, exercising, if you're getting IVs, if you're going to the sauna, if you're doing all sorts of fancy skincare and diets and juice cleanses and whatnot, but you're still drinking, you can get off this cycle. There is another way. You don't have to have wine 
or alcohol be your great pacifier. It's it's keeping you small. It's keeping you from speaking up. It's keeping you from making changes. It's keeping you from asking for what you really want deep down, being in touch with that part of yourself that actually knows what you want. It's literally disconnecting you from your intuition, from that inner voice. It is stifling your creativity, your joy. It's limiting your experience. And what's ironic is we believe that it's our reward. We believe it's our liberation. It's our salvation. At least I have my wine. Ugh, can't wait to get to my girl's night out. Like, oh, can't wait. I need a drink. You know, that's that's what we're conditioned to see alcohol as. So much people pleasing we're doing. And then we're conditioned to tolerate it, to reward ourselves with the booze. But there is another way. And when you break down that belief that like, man, is alcohol really a reward? I already went through all the things that it does to you. Is that how you want to reward yourself? Fuck no. I don't want to reward myself with that. I want some real self-care. I want to go do things that I want to do. I want a break. Self-care is just a break. I need a fucking break, right? I don't need the wine. I need a break. So getting back in touch with yourself. And you don't have to be, I'm getting excited right now and a little dramatic, but you don't have to be mean about it and be like, I'm not doing anything for anybody anymore. I'm I'm on my own now. You know, you guys solve for yourself. Like that's not what I'm telling you, but it's okay in the beginning when you are starting to recognize your relationship with alcohol and seeing that, wow, maybe this isn't what I thought it was be. Maybe it's not doing all the things that I thought it was going to do. And then it can feel a little awkward and it can feel a little raw, but confronting these beliefs in yourself, like, is it really a reward? Is treating myself this way what I want to keep doing for the next decade of my life? Or is there something better? If your intuition is like, man, I know there is something better out there for me. And you need to follow that. You need to stop drowning it out with alcohol. And you need to listen. You only have this one life. And you got to get back in touch with that person inside you that has a different plan for you than just another booze-filled night to tolerate whatever it is you're dealing with. Maybe you don't have to have a life that you need to tolerate. Maybe you can create a better life for yourself. And that might seem like, oh, wow, you know, sounds good to you, but, you know, my life is way crazy hard. I, you, I can't get out of these situations. But that, if that this is just the beginning. When you stop drinking to tolerate things and instead you really deep down listen to what is wrong, you can solve it. You can start taking tiny little steps in the right direction and actually make progress on things. You don't have to use it to cope. All right? There are so many other healthy mechanisms And that is what this alcohol-free journey is about, is learning how to get back in touch with yourself, how, how to cope in healthy ways that are sustainable, that allow you to stay true to who you are. It's a big, big monumental shift and change in your life to give up alcohol. I know. I have done it. 
and I'm almost three years out now and the revelations continue to come and the looking back and, and just realizing how much of my time as a mother I spent just tolerating things and using alcohol to get through it. It really bums me out. And I wish someone had told me there was another way. I wish there were examples. I wish there were, you know, leaders out there who were showing women like, Hey, this is how you ask for help. This is how you create space for yourself. This is how you create healthy coping mechanisms. All right. Instead of just like take a nap and then have your, you know, mommy, mommy juice, you know, what did they put, you know, wine in the, in the sippy cups. It's just sad. So if this pisses you off, it kind of, it really does piss me off too. And so take a hard look and, and check out, uh, my brave program. If you're curious about kickstarting your break, because this is a kick-ass program, it is seven days and I have put the best lessons that I have learned in all of the research and education that I've done in the three years. I took a six month certification course to become an alcohol-free life coach. And I put the best cliff notes, the top lessons in this seven day course so that you can get this information and let it sink in and let it start to lead to your transformation. It starts with new beliefs about alcohol. It starts with poking holes in what you believe to be true about alcohol. And once you get through that course and you start to go, huh, all right, I've taken a hard look. What's next? If you're interested in one-on-one coaching, you can work with me. I have a 12-week program because yes, it does take 12 weeks. It does take 12 weeks. I worked with a coach for four months at the start of my alcohol-free journey. Investing in myself is the biggest difference that it made. And I didn't even realize it at the time. But when I look back, I realized when you invest in something tangible, like coaching, when you're like, okay, I'm going to meet this person at this time. And we're going to talk about this thing. It means it's real for you. It's taking it out of your subconscious, this kind of like this, this itch that is like, ah, I should do something about this. This doesn't feel right in my life. I want to fix it. And it's literally putting it front and center and saying, I'm not going to ignore this anymore. I know what I want. I want something better. And I'm going to enroll this other person, a coach, in this possibility with me. And I'm going to say, hey, help me, help me change my mind about alcohol. And that's just the beginning. From there, it it's all up. It is all up, not only for you, but for the people that you love around you, because they're going to see you change for the better. It's the best thing I ever did. So if you are people pleasing your way through the holidays and you are sick and tired of feeling sick and tired, yet again, another hangover, and then you need more alcohol to get through your hangover to get through that next holiday, I also have a, um, a free guide. Um, it is on my website. Check out the Surviving the Holidays Alcohol-Free Guide. Check it out. And if you're ready to kickstart your break, check out the Brave Course and uh, set up a call with me if you want to do one-on-one coaching. As always, I am here with you and you got this. Let's go. Hey team, you've just listened to an episode of Find Myself Free. And if some part of this left you wanting more, if your curiosity has been piqued and your intuition is telling you, I'm ready for more, 
I'm ready to look at my relationship to alcohol and find out just how much it's holding me back. Then check out my coaching offers at findmyselffree.com. For those ready to kickstart a change privately on their own time, I offer the Brave Course, a seven-day program to shift your mindset around alcohol and connect with your future self. This is chock full of all of the information that was key to my transformation. If you're looking for additional support, I also offer one-on-one coaching. I worked with a coach for four months at the start of my alcohol-free journey, and it made all the difference. Being able to talk to someone who knew what I was going through and could help me navigate my new world gave me a foundation of support I could build on, and it's a big reason why I'm a coach today. I want to help others find their freedom and level up their health. If this sounds good to you, then connect with me at findmyselffree.com. Listen to that intuition that was telling you you are meant for more. I'm with you. You got this.